Hey, everybody. Welcome to Tara Talk with Shannon and Kathy. Hello. Hello. Happy St. Patrick's Day. How are we already in the spring? I know, right? You're in America. We have St. Patrick's Day, <laughs> where people drink green beer and eat peeps that are green, I guess. I don't know. Potatoes. T- t- potatoes, right. Honor our Irish Cabbage. heritage. <laughs> Fish and chips, more, even though more that's not Irish. Beer. More the green beer than anything else. Shamrock shakes. <laughs> that's right. McDonald's has shamrock shakes. And there's, in the bakery section of your grocery store, there's lots of green cookies and muffins and things. That's about it. Whereas when I was in Ireland many, many moons ago... More of a family day. Yeah. Well, Not, you know, we like to <laughs> turn everything into a party over here. Yeah. And a baked good, apparently. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was going to mention to you, did you see that Pennywise <laughs> on the way from HBO Max is a series entitled Welcome to Dairy, which will serve as a prequel to the two no, Stephen King movies. I mean, that could be interesting. The yeah. series the series is going to begin in the 1960s in the time leading up to the events of It Part 1. I like that. Yeah, so we'll see what that's got to do. It's going to be on know. HBO Max? Yes. Very cool. Yeah, so right on. I wanted to share that with you because I thought, I know you like that stuff. I do. All right. I thought this was kind of funny. Ghostface has been making an appearance all over people's neighborhoods. <laughs> I saw that. In California and um, a couple of other states. And there was a, a still <laughs> of one of one of these guys was just standing. He's been, that says Ghostface has been randomly appearing in the streets across the country. <laughs> and there are a couple of images. One is in the snow by train tracks, <laughs> which is hilarious. That is hilarious. Um, and then they're basically what's happening is they're catching them on these, cameras right so okay. there's one here in sonoma which is you know for those of you who don't live in california sonoma is like a big beautiful wine town and it says the people of sonoma got a bit of a scary surprise on monday when a person wearing a scream costume stood motionless at the sonoma plaza the first film in the franchise was shot at the sonoma community center just a block away and if you look at the photo of it someone it, it's on twitter if you look up Ghostface. <laughs> It's hilarious. Like that must be, he, he just stood on the corner still. I wonder how many people took pictures with him. I wonder that as well. That's really fun. I'm looking forward to Scream 6, of course. Yeah. And I know we're going to Monster Palooza and I'll probably try to go to maybe Midnight Midsummer Scream or something. Yeah. It's usually at the end of July. And I haven't, I know for Monster Palooza that, you know, last year it was like a Scream centered mm-hmm. we got our picture taken with the cast and all of that i didn't see any of that for this year so there's no scream stuff this year they really did it for last year and honestly you know nev campbell was there etc right. and as we know nev campbell is not in this movie so i i wonder i just wonder how it's gonna go well we have i mean the two things though like jenna or- ortega is really hot right now so that's gonna be i think the biggest seller and then hayden also yeah of for course those. of course and just the franchise yeah and, and then it's usually a good Slaughtery time. It is. It's and supposed I, to be the most vicious version oh, of Ghostface. I, mm, I don't know. Yeah. We'll judge. We'll be the judge they, of that. They changed the mask. They have it all like worn. It's all like worn out now. Okay. So, so they're kind of, you know. <laughs> I just hope it doesn't become like, you know, the Halloween thing where, you know, like keep, keep, hopefully it keeps its, you know, 
Yeah, I don't Integrity. know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, a lot of these big franchises, as we have talked about, Halloween, Friday the 13th, et cetera, like, you know, there's there's duds in there. So you never know when a dud is going to happen. They've obviously had them before, but we'll see. I have seen that several of the YouTubers that review movies that I watch, that I get really interesting, like, information from, like, what is coming down the pike and stuff like part of my research. Mm-hmm. I do like to watch the the good YouTubers and uh, several of them have already seen it, but I have not been watching those videos on purpose. Cause yeah. I, I don't, Same. I don't, I don't watch them before we, we review it ourselves. Cause I don't really want to be, you know, influenced. I don't like to watch a lot of that. Well, and I don't like to be influenced by the influencers that's right. on my own opinion, but then I'll watch them after. And that's always fun because you know, like we're going to talk about Cocaine Bear today after we do Horror Facts with Kath. And, <laughs> and I like to watch the reviews of like now that I've seen Cocaine Bear, I like to go and watch the reviews of it because then that's fun just to see kind of like where you fall. Yeah. On, oh, my God, she liked it or he liked it or he didn't like it or whatever. That's always fun. So anyway, in honor of this holiday, we're going to do a little thing called. Uh-huh. Number one, who is the survivor of the deadly prom night in the 1976 version of Carrie? Is it Sue, Tommy, Billy, or Chris? Got it. Numero dos. In which story from the Twilight Zone movie, so Twilight Zone the movie, was someone killed on set during principal filming? Was it Nightmare on 20,000 Feet? Time out, kick the can, or it's a good life. I'm sorry, I missed the first little part of that question. In which story In from which Twilight story? Zone the movie? Got it, got it. Yeah, because you know it's a series of... Yep, mm-hmm. yep. Okay, got it. Number three, what was the name of the ship in Event Horizon? Mm. Okay. Number four, Todd Browning insisted on casting real sideshow performers in his movie Freaks. And number five, in 1981, how many major werewolf films were that were released? And for the Todd B. Freaks, is it a true or false? It's true or false. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was waiting for you to finish that. Oh, sentence. sorry. Yeah, true and or I'm false. Like... Todd Browning insisted on <laughs> casting real sideshow performers. Got it, got it, got it. Okay, cool. <laughs> right on. That's the horror facts with Kath. So you guys, you know, Google your answers and then pretend you knew them. (laughs) Pretend you knew them. I'm smarter than Shannon. (laughs) Yeah. Good job. (laughs) Right on. So what did you watch? Let's see. So I'm going to start actually with one that came out a couple of years ago, but I finally saw it because it's streaming right now on Prime, which is Run Sweetheart Run. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, I hadn't seen it, and I was going back and forth on whether I wanted to watch it. I'm actually really glad I did. So after what begins as dinner with a client, a single mom finds herself hunted by a monstrous and seemingly unstoppable assailant. I really liked this movie, and I was I was skeptical when I watched the trailer for it. Mm-hmm. It's odd. It wasn't at all what I thought it was going to be. In some ways, it ends up being more like a the the assailant's like more supernatural. But I really, I mean, it's totally a revenge fantasy film, and and I like those if they're done well. I really liked her a lot. I'm trying to remember what her name is. Let's see if I can find it. And I loved that 
the way that it was shot, the colors that they used, it was it was fast. It's a really fun film to watch, especially once you catch on with what's going on. And I really just liked a lot of the allegory or the metaphor around women and the power of women and the fact that, you know, what is usually deemed as weakness in our society in this movie gets turned into a strength and actually used to crush the proverbial sex offender or assailant yeah, or whatever. Guy, the bad girl and whoever yeah. it is. Yeah. And and specifically in this movie, it's really it is about what what we have as women that can overpower a man in a situation of sexual assault. So I, I think it was done in a way that you can still enjoy it without it being super heavy. Mm-hmm. Because it's a lot of action and the fight scenes are really great and the you know the acting's really great. So I loved the ending. I I just I really enjoyed it. I'm really glad this. I believe this was the 2019 2020 Sundance, maybe. Well, yeah. Oh, maybe yeah. Sundance. Okay, Sundance. And I saw it there, and I remember it vividly because it was a midnight movie, which is where they show most of the horror movies with Sundance. And I went with a friend who was there visiting me. And I got tickets like last minute, like I bought tickets because he was coming to visit me, my friend Steve, and I didn't want to not have a ticket for him. (laughs) Normally Mm -hmm. I go on my pass, but so I just remember going and the filmmaker was there and I just thought that was so cool because it was the second half of the festival and usually the filmmakers have gone by then and they're not doing Q&As anymore, but this is a guy who, you know, obviously directed this movie and he was there for the second half of the of the festival and it was in a smaller theater. It wasn't even full. Like I could tell it was a movie that sort of needed some love, you know? (laughs) And he spoke afterwards very like casually and I just really liked him. And, and, but I had already seen the film of course, and I really liked the film. And I, and what I remember is that I really liked without spoiling it, if you haven't seen it, I really liked that the ending was a bit different. Oh, it was, it was a bit, it was a bit different than I expected because this, of course, you know, this whole idea of like a woman running for her life after a blind date. Um, it's also in Los Angeles. So that's kind of fun for us because there's lots, she's running around Los Angeles the whole time, but that whole idea, you know, the first date from hell idea and the revenge of that could be very tried and true. Right. Oh yeah. But where it ends up going and what ends up happening near at the end, I thought was unique. Now, since then, because I've of course watched how the reviews played out, mm-hmm. it's been as you have seen, very varied. Like lots of people don't like this movie, but I, I liked it. It's so funny you so say I that. I agree with you. Yeah, it was so it's so funny you say that because when I watched the preview initially, I went back and I watched it a handful of times. I'm like, do I want to watch it? And I'm really glad I gave it a chance. It, and her name is Ava Gray, by the way, the right. woman that plays Anita. She was fantastic. I thought. Right. Um, I did too. So yeah, if you haven't seen it, it's one of those that I, I, Shannon, I clearly both recommend. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. You and I both saw Cocaine Bear. We did. It's been a minute now. Obviously, we are pre-recording, but it's a 2023 movie called Cocaine Bear. It's directed by Elizabeth Banks. If you are listening to the show and you just don't happen to be a big horror fan, you may not have seen it, of course. A lot of the people I know, of course, ran right out and saw it because it's 
it's had so much hype for for real. But let me just say the premise. An oddball group of cops, criminals, tourists, and teens converge in a Georgia forest where a 500-pound black bear goes on a murderous rampage after unintentionally ingesting cocaine. It's got a bunch of people in it. Carrie Russell, Ray Liotta's last film. A lot of people you've seen before. I'm not going to go through the whole list, but there's a lot of comedic actors in there that you've seen before and it is lightly based (laughs) it's a comedy i mean it's supposed to be a comedy Mm -hmm. whether you thought it was funny or not it's lightly based on the fact that there was an american black bear that died after ingesting a duffel bag full of cocaine in december of 1985 and that was one of the things i kept thinking the whole movie was like this bear would be dead and sure enough in real life he was yeah I saw a meme the other day that was like, for that five minutes, he would have been the most scariest apex predator in the world. And they make jokes about that yeah. in the movie. But like, this is a movie of like, if it had lived, basically. Yeah. What'd you think? Oh, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And I think that Elizabeth Banks just needs to keep doing what she's doing because I thought it was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How come? How come? What'd you like about <clears throat> it? Well, first of all, I mean, aesthetically, like, you know, it takes place in the 80s, which of course is like low hanging fruit for me. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they made so much fun of just the time period and the clothing and the makeup and the tropes and all of that, that in itself was great. I loved that the bad guy was the drug cartel and not the bear. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I loved the different as much as it was still a comedy and it was horror, I still think the characters were really well developed and I really enjoyed like the different side stories that were going on and the different, the way that the characters were developed was a lot of fun. So each scene to me, I didn't feel like it was dragging. I felt like it moved quickly. It was hilarious. I mean, I think there was a lot of really good humor in it and I thought there was some really great. So horror comedy is a, big thing right now and it's oftentimes it's done so poorly like it really has to be done well and I felt like the the gore in it was total horror comedy and it was done well in a way that it was kind of tongue-in-cheek and so the scenes where there is quote-unquote gore you see like limbs flying all over the place and um the 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 use of you know practical effects and that that are kind of corny on purpose (laughs) so the the whole you know the the way it was shot I just I don't have anything bad to say about it it was really lovely to see Ray Liotta in one last role but yeah, it was a, it was just a ride. It was a ride for me. Yeah, for sure. And once I saw there was it was all eighties. Of course, I was like, oh well. Yeah, she's gonna love this. <laughs> when they're sing- with the this is not giving anything away, but when they're singing on the wings of love in yeah, the car. Oh there's some my god, great use of music for sure. <clears throat> the positives for me was of course anytime the bear was on screen, it was great. Yeah, I wanted more of the bear, of course. But um, they did the best they could. I can I could see that there was a limited budget, of course, after hiring all those great actors. Yeah. I'm sure. So, you know, you have to pick and choose when you use the bear. But they did use a CG bear. For, is well, it looks like a CGI bear. Yeah, I thought the bear was really great. And whenever the bear was on screen, it was like either hilarious or scary. Like you know, yeah. of course, when the when the bear is stalking someone, it's it's a bit scary. You're like, mm-hmm. oh shit! And you know, there's some jump scares and stuff like that, which is always used in in comedy horror. I thought the gore was fun. I totally agree. Like. The gore was a lot of fun. It was gorier than I thought it was going to be. Although, like, what was I thinking? Of course, with bear attacks, there's going to be gore. But yeah, not to spoil it, but the way Ray Liotta goes out, I thought, 
Like he goes out like a boss and it's multi-leveled now. The fact that he's deceased now, like this was his on-screen last death. And I just found that amazing. Yeah. I did laugh many times in the movie. Uh, I happened to be lucky and be in a theater where other people laughed as well. We had a great audience, which helps. Yeah, I was talking to Ice, who is a patron of ours, and he went to see it and no one laughed in the theater. Wow. Yeah. And I understand because it's a particular kind of humor that if it's not your humor, okay, that's fine. Uh, I did think, so where you and I digress in opinion, it would be that I did feel like it was a bit of a slog through the middle. I, okay. I couldn't help it. I got pretty bored. and But there was, of course, there were fun scenes and stuff. And then there was something about, like, I would, I felt like the comedic timing was a bit off. Like, there were things that were really funny. And then there were other times when I thought it should have been really funny. Like, I was, in my mind, I was saying, Oh, that's really funny, but that's not funny because I'm not laughing. Got if it. I'm if I'm saying it's funny, that doesn't it means the comedic timing yeah. was like there were just several things where I just thought it was it was a miss, like where there was oh, missed opportunities okay. for th- other things to be funny. And because of that slog sort of through the middle, I you know, I can't give it like four or five stars like it was the best thing I ever saw or even the funniest thing I've ever saw, but there mm-hmm. were some scenes, oh my god, when they're in the forest and the forest ranger, she's been in so many things. She's so oh, funny. Gosh, that she's forest so ranger. She was hilarious. She's one this. of the best parts of the movie. And at one point, and you won't know the reference, so this isn't spoiling anything for you, but at one point she like screams out, of course I'm going to shoot at me. Bit me in the ass. Yeah. Like that, like really. And, and I just, I lost it. It was so funny. So this is one of those things where. Margot Martindale, that's her name. It was so yeah. funny in, in certain parts that when it wasn't and things would fall really, really flat, I, I would notice because there were things that were so, so funny. So good, yeah. So that's my... Okay. I have more of a variety of gotcha. <laughs> my reaction to that, which... Um, but I knew you would love it. Oh, my like, God. I, I, I knew you would love it. But I, you know, I gave it two and a half stars, which means I don't know if I'll watch it again necessarily, but I think it's a solid watch for anybody who likes horror comedy. But I can see how if you're more critical of horror comedy, meaning like it's not your favorite thing and it's hard to land horror comedies for you, I can see maybe it being a more of I I'm I'll be interested to see like what other people sure. what other people think of it along the way. I think it'll be one of those if you do like it that you'll have on in the background and just play yeah, all the, you know, for it'll sure. be one like, that you can totally watch over and over. Yep. yep. Totally like a, a cult thing where you just love it. And I have seen people really, really love it. So Yeah. That's awesome. Cool. Yeah. What else did you watch? I watched Knock at the Cabin. Yeah, how'd you like that? This is M. Night Shyamalan, obviously, and it's based on a book. And so I've been seeing that people, you know, who read the book have a variety of opinions. And what I have learned is that they were pretty suspicious of how the movie would go because the book is very much one of those books that leaves you hanging, doesn't give you a lot of answers, much better, much better book type of deal. But what my understanding is, because I have not read the book, uh, two different people have told me that they changed it quite a bit 
to make it so that it could be a movie. In other words, they sort of kept an essence of it, but they gave it an ending. They gave it some, you know, plot points that they really needed. And that those people actually sort of didn't hate it necessarily, mm. which a lot of times you'll hear like fans of the book, right? And then yeah. they just like hate the movie yeah. because, oh, you changed the book. But it's like, I think they're intelligent people and they understood that they had to change the, They had to change it to make it a movie. That's one thing. So Dave Bautista is is I awesome love him in this. So much. He's awesome in this. Yeah. He, he he really kills it. He's great casting for the part. I have heard that from people who've read the book too. Like, wow, that's a great choice. I found it enjoyable. Anyone who's into mythology or any kind of story from the olden days knows what's happening from the beginning. And I'm being obtuse because those of you who haven't seen it. Because you are obtuse. <laughs> I don't want to say it because I don't want to ruin it for you if for some reason these things would be like a big reveal to you. So I kind of knew what was going on right from the beginning. And, and, and the movie's crafted so that those kinds of things are a reveal. And I imagine that certain areas of our society are not going to be familiar with the stories that these this is kind of based on so I get that but even though it wasn't this big reveal and I was kind of like oh it was that supposed to be a big reveal like I knew that's what was going on but even though that's the case I did enjoy the watch so for me it was like a three stars meaning I would watch it again it's not catapulted to like my favorite M. Night or anything okay but it's worth a watch I think it's interesting talking points for discussion. Like if you haven't had those kinds of allegorical discussions a million times in your, in your peer circle, but I have, like, I think it's something that you could actually really talk about. It's kind of, it, the idea is that the end of the world were to really happen and what that would look like. Mm -hmm. And my understanding is the book goes into more of like the feeling of that and the existentialism of that. Sure. And, but the movie is a good representation. And, you know, I just like M night's lens. So it's like, it's not wasted time for me. We've talked about this before. Lots of people either like love or hate him, yeah. his movies. Mm -hmm. I just enjoy being in his world. I do too. And I, I feel the same way. I feel like I don't have to have such a polarized opinion about him because there's, there are some movies that he has done. I really liked and others that I would never watch again, but I, I, I don't have an opinion either way. Like it didn't feel like necessarily wasted time. Right. I mean, even the bad ones, I guess partially it does, but <laughs> right. But like, I just, he's a filmmaker that I want to see his whole body of work. So it's sure. not wasted time for me. Yeah. Cool. All right, let me actually, I'll, I'm going to mention one more. Okay. I'm going to mention one more, uh, just because I don't have much to say about it. So it's no. probably just a quick one to end with. I watched a movie called The Invitation mm -hmm. that came out 2022, I think it was. And it's uh, a young woman is courted and swept off her feet only to realize gothic conspiracy is afoot. So starring Nath uh, Natalie Emanuel, Thomas Doherty. You know, it's it's made like... It's a vampire film that has the, the gothic, at least they're trying to have maybe an ambiance of like a Bram Stoker type of feel mm -hmm. to it. Sure. I think if I knew that it was less horror and just more of a gothic film. Like if you, yeah, went into it knowing that. I would have liked it because there is a very classic okay. gothic cinematically her relationship with him when she meets him he's he's very likable he's very charming he plays the perfect vampire in my opinion yep. 
that I think if that would if it would have been labeled more of that than a horror thriller, I would have been like, okay, this is this is kind of cool. It's different mm-hmm. because once it does get to the horror, which is the last, like the last. 25 minutes of the film, okay. 30 minutes of the film. So act three becomes a horror movie. Act three becomes, <laughs> that's when you really see the literal and metaphorical fangs come out. Oh, gotcha. Uh, then, then it's, it's quite cool because she's, she is, you know, deciding, you know, which way is she going to go? And then you start to see much more of the, the real horror. And when it gets to that and you realize that he, I mean, you know this going into the movie, so I'm not giving anything away, <laughs> but he is the Prince of Darkness. I mean, he is sure. like the head, you know, historic, he's been around for hundreds of years and basically he has chosen her to marry and all this stuff. There's a really cool Gothic feel about it, but I just wish I would have known that it was less horror and my mind would have been more prepared for that. Yeah, it's like I, I I don't know about you guys, but I always struggle to like how much do I really want to know about a movie before I see it, you know, and like how how to ride that line between knowing enough to not have like expectations that really pull the rug out yeah. to to not knowing too much, right? Cuz I don't want to really read reviews. I don't sometimes I didn't even read synopsises. Sometimes I just like push play but then but then of course it becomes a situation where you have to actually tell yourself like I don't know what this is and I can't have any expectations which is super hard for us as humans but it is but you know I mean it's beautifully shot though oh cool it's kind of a pretty like one of the it, from well, the picture it looks like it's one of those red movies where everything's red kind of yeah <laughs> you know vampires there is a scene with Prince a lot of, of darkness red, yeah. <laughs> Hmm. All right, so here we're going to do a little thing. The answers to... That definitely had everyone turning down there. Who is the survivor? The only survivor from that deadly prom night. Sue. It was Sue Snell, played by Amy Irving. Yeah, that's why I remember. (laughs) Amy. She was very famous at the time. She was. (laughs) Number two, in which story from the Twilight Zone, the movie, was someone killed on set during principal filming? I think it's Time Out. It is. And if you watch Cursed Films, they do a whole episode on this. And man, it was tragic. I think two children. I've seen it. An adult died. It was the helicopter that was caught on fire. And this is one of those movies where afterward they're like, yeah, we need more regulations. This was a very big deal at the time. It was a huge deal. And anybody who's interested in this story and likes this history go mm-hmm. back and watch curse films i think it's season one or two mm-hmm. they cover this and it it it's was disturbing episode. yeah it was um number three what was the name of the ship in event horizon i don't know this one lewis and clark oh <laughs> i remember seeing this in the move in the, the theater nose. yeah I probably did, and I know it's a big milestone for a lot of people. And yeah. I and and I've even met people like where this is kind of their favorite movie. I don't like, know if I'd go that far, but you know, like it yeah. was a milestone event for them. Sure, but not for me, so I would have no idea. Number four, true or false? Did Todd Browning use real sideshow performers? Yes. Yeah, he did. Many required special care due to their impairments. I mean, you kind of think about the exploitation. <laughs> Yeah, it's right? awful. It's awful. That was a very controversial film at that time. It was mm-hmm. 1932, and it was banned in a lot of places for a long time. Yeah, I, I wonder how the um, quote-unquote representation community feels about that these days. Right. Like whether or not it's like 
yes, we would have wanted it to be played by folks that have endured something like what we've played, what we've endured. So we would want that representation in the movie or no, it was abusive and we would not have wanted to. That's be right. The people. It, yeah. It's hard to know. Hard like to know. I am not part of that community, so I can't, I can't judge whether or not that was a good thing or not. But it was certainly a really crazy movie. Yeah sad um number five in 1981 how many major werewolf films were there released this was like a really big year for that genre i'm, I'm guessing that's why you asked the question mm -hmm. i don't know the answer but i could say like 12 well there were four really big ones okay so the howling american werewolf in london wolfen and full moon high were the four that year that were like a big deal and i understand that's a lot for yeah because, you know, werewolf films, especially at that time, was all practical effects. So a lot of work went into each a film. A lot of money. <laughs> yeah. A lot of money. Even when they're bad, it costs yep. some money That's to, right. to make that happen. Uh, but thank you so much for listening. This has been an episode of Terror Talk. My name is Shannon. And I'm Kathy. Sleep safe, everyone.